Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Unconventional RD Podcast. Today, I'm just going to do a roundup of some of the latest news that has happened over the last five weeks or so in the online business space. And since I talk a lot about SEO, search engine optimization, and I've been knee deep in revamping some of my course content around these topics, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today has to do with Google and Google search algorithm updates and things like that. I will also talk on a few things related to social media uh, and a little bit about podcasts as well. Before I dive into all of the news updates, I did want to let you know that the RD Entrepreneur Symposium put on by Heather Neal is happening next week and enrollment is currently open and there's only one day left to get the early word pricing and save $200 on your ticket. And I am speaking at this year's symposium. I'll be talking all about how to do a content audit on your website. So how to go through potentially years of old content and figure out what stuff you need to keep, revise, maybe consolidate, or just flat out delete to help improve your website's uh, rankings in the search results. So I walk you through exactly how to do that. I give you a nice checklist that you can print out uh, and uh, basically guide you through everything you need to know on how to do a content audit which is something I do recommend doing. You know, definitely if you've never done a content audit, you should do it now. Um, And then I recommend from then on just kind of updating and checking in on your content annually. The RD Entrepreneur Symposium is 100% virtual. It offers 23.5 CEUs. It's available for a full year if you're not free to watch everything live. And you get all of this for under $200. So if you're a dietitian entrepreneur and you really need continuing education units, this is honestly one of my favorite ways. Even when I'm not a speaker, I'm always promoting it and I've used it for continuing education units myself multiple times. But definitely check it out. Go to theunconventionalrd.com slash symposium and it will take you right to the page via my affiliate link. And that means if you decide to sign up through that link, I will earn a commission at no extra cost to you. And I appreciate anyone who uses the link. Again, it's theunconventionalrd.com slash symposium and you can find out all the information on how to enroll. Again, if you wanna get all of this for under $200, you have to enroll by the end of the day on Tuesday the 9th, Tuesday, March 9th. That's the deadline. You can still enroll between the 9th and the 16th when the symposium starts, but the cost is going up by $200. So definitely, if you are interested, check it out before then. Now let's get into the rest of the episode. Before we get too deep into this, I wanted to let you guys know some exciting news. If you are friends with me personally on social media, you've probably seen this. Um, But I can officially announce now that my husband and I are expecting a baby boy in August. So late August, uh, we will be bringing a child into the world, which is crazy. So the pressure is even more on for me to like get my business stuff in order. So, But I I wanted to take the time out my crazy week to do this podcast because I love it and I like to connect with you guys. So here we are. So update number one, I wanted to bring to your attention 
a slight change that has happened regarding Google's core web vital metrics. And I've talked about this before on this podcast, but in case it's been a while, I'll just refresh your memory on what core web vitals are. So basically core web vitals are three main metrics that have to do with your site loading speed that will become ranking factors in May, 2021. So it's right around the corner. So a lot of people are preparing. Google has been spreading the word that we need to focus on site speed for our websites for quite some time now. So this is not a surprise. Everyone has seen this coming. They've even given us, I think, like a whole year at least to focus on specific metrics that we need to improve to potentially boost our rankings when this algorithm rolls out. So the three main metrics are number one, LCP, which stands for Largest Contentful Paint, and that measures how quickly the main content of your page loads. And they specify that that needs to happen within 2.5 seconds. And the second metric is first input delay, and that measures interactivity. So how long does it take for your page to be interactive? And they specify that that should happen within 100 milliseconds. And the third metric is the CLS, cumulative layout shift. And this has to do with visual stability. So basically they don't want the page to move around while it's loading, so where people end up accidentally like trying to click on something and then the whole page shifts and they click on the wrong thing, that type of thing. And so they have their own metrics that they use to calculate this shift and it needs to be less than or equal to 0.1 on their scale. And you might've noticed that I've been saying uh, less than or equal to as I've been describing these things and that was the recent change. So they used to say less than, but now they're saying less than or equal to these values. So that gives people who were right on the cusp the green light. So they now pass these these benchmarks even if they load uh, like even if their LCP is exactly 2.5 seconds or their first input delay is exactly 100 milliseconds, they're still going to get the green check like good, you've passed your core web vitals metrics. And you can actually check to see how your website is doing within the core web vital section of Google Search Console. So if you are a website owner and you are not signed up for Google Search Console yet, get your butt moving um, because it is a very important tool for helping your website show up in Google Search. It's a free tool from Google. You just have to register and sync it up to your site and it will start telling you what types of search terms your website is showing up for in Google and a whole bunch more information. So one of those extra pieces of information is how the pages and posts on your site are performing in regards to core web vitals. And if you haven't done any work on your website's speed, you're probably going to have pretty abysmal scores. They kind of categorize you into three buckets. You're either good, you need need improvement, or you're poor. And since these metrics are going to be baked into the ranking algorithm as of May 2021, Everyone should be trying to get good scores for all three of these metrics. But again, if you have not worked on this at all, most likely you're either in the poor category or in the needs improvement category right now. And you can check again right within Google Search Console. And if you need help with this, I am currently, like literally today and yesterday, working on a new section for my SEO course all about how to master core web vitals and to get your site passing with flying colors. So I am gonna be talking about this in the updated version of my SEO course that should be coming out 
in the next month or so. I'm this close to being done with updating the content. Then I just need to re-record some stuff and you know revamp the structure, do a little marketing, and we're good to go. So I am right there, finally. So thank you for your patience. I know I've been working on this for months now, but it's just me. I am still a solopreneur, so doing this all myself, um, and I was in the first trimester of pregnancy for the last few months, so it's been a little rough. My productivity has not been as great as usual. Lots of naps and nausea in my day, but um, I worked through it. I feel a lot better now, so I, I have a feeling that I'll be done with this content very soon. Another update that happened is that the tool that Google uses to collect this site speed data is now using a faster type of connection called HTTP2 connection. And they used to rely on the old HTTP1 connection, which was slower. So without doing anything, now that just because Google's uh, tool has upgraded to use a faster connection, your website's speed scores should automatically improve. And if you're on a reputable hosting provider like Cloudways, SiteGround, Big Scoots, all of those natively use the HTTP2 connection already. So you should be reaping the benefit from that without having to do anything. And the third thing that has to do with Core Web Vitals is that Gutenberg has been updated to help improve the Core Web Vitals metrics. And this update, Gutenberg 10.1, was released on March 3rd. It's not yet rolled into WordPress, which is how most people use Gutenberg. Gutenberg, just like the block editor that comes within WordPress, if you recently created a WordPress site, like in the last couple years, you don't know anything else. But if you have an older site, you probably remember the older classic editor where it was just kind of like a document that you typed into and to style stuff, you had to use code. Now there's a block editor that's a lot easier. It's more like Squarespace and how they work in terms of, and Wix, in terms of inserting pieces of content onto your page with blocks. Um, so that's Gutenberg and it is rolled into WordPress already. However, the actual native Gutenberg updates are always ahead of where the WordPress ones are at. But if Gutenberg has just updated this, that means in future versions of WordPress, you should see this improvement right around the corner. So what they did in Gutenberg 10.1, instead of loading all of the style code for every single possible Gutenberg block on every single page or post of your website, now they only load the style code for the blocks that you actually use on any given page. So that speeds things up a lot. And that code, instead of needing to be called from an external style sheet, which, you know, anytime you have to call information from another location, that slows down things even more. Now that code is inlined on the page, so it's even faster. And right now, WordPress 5.7 is about to come out, like literally tomorrow, potentially, if you're listening to this on the day the podcast came out. The anticipated release date is March 9th, but WordPress 5.7 only contains Gutenberg version 9. And there are two more WordPress updates planned for 2021, tentatively for July and December. So I imagine that Gutenberg 10.1 will be included in one of those updates and you'll automatically get this little speed boost from that. And before we move on from this, I don't want you to worry too much about your site speed. I know it is important and is going to become part of the ranking algorithm in May 2021. However, they are, Google is repeatedly coming out and saying, 
don't freak out over this. It's not going to cause like totally different search results overnight. Satisfying the search intent and creating good content is still the most important factor for ranking. So crappy content on a fast site is not going to outrank great content on a slower site. It's going to be more of like a tiebreaker factor. So all things being equal, the faster site will win out. So you know, if you're in a really competitive niche, then yes, you might want to focus on this more. If you're in a smaller niche with less competition and the people who are on page one with you aren't even optimizing their on-page SEO, they are not using headings, they're not using keywords, whatever, then this is probably not going to be that big of a thing for you. So do your best to work on it and improve your site speed metrics as much as possible. Obviously, if you are negatively impacted by this algorithm update in May, then you know this is something you need to circle back and really make an effort on. But this isn't something where if you don't understand the other components of SEO, that this will suddenly skyrocket your site to the top of Google or anything like that. The next thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that Google short videos now includes Facebook videos. And Google Short Videos is a new section in the Google search results that features a carousel of short videos pulled from YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and now Facebook as well. And this is a pretty big deal because in the past, really only YouTube videos showed up in Google search results, never something from social media. So this makes social media video a much more valuable asset if it can help you get discovered via Google search. And then the goal there would be to convert people from that video, maybe onto your email list if possible, so you can keep in touch with them after they consume your content and, you know, book them as clients or get them to purchase a product of yours or whatever your business is, but keep those people in your ecosystem, nurture that relationship and grow your business via that social video that you've been putting out. So as you probably know, I don't do a lot of social media videos, but I might work on that in the coming years. It's on my radar. And so if I ever do experiment and get any of my videos in this short videos section, I will let you know how that goes and what the organic reach is like and whether it was a positive impact on my business. Another interesting update, Google is now showing fewer featured snippets in the search results since February 19th. And Moz, an SEO company, did some analysis on this, and they discovered that the largest drop in featured snippets was for single word queries. And this was especially noticeable in the health and finance space. And they said it was like a 40% drop or something overall in the number of featured snippets being shown in the search results. And this could be because perhaps those short tail queries So searching like one word, for example, like diabetes, uh, they have pretty unclear search intent. So Google's not sure what someone's actually looking for when they just search one word like diabetes. So, you know, maybe the algorithm in the past would just assume if someone was Googling one word that they wanted the definition, but perhaps Google is wisening up and realizing that's not that helpful. Um, And so they're pulling back and showing less of those featured snippets. And if you're not familiar with what a featured snippet is, that's when you Google something and there's a large box at the top of the search results that kind of highlights the answer to your question. It's sort of an excerpt from someone's website with a few sentences 
or some stats or something that they've included in their blog post, they highlight that at the top of the search results so you can partially read the answer and then click on that box to go to the person's site if you want to learn more. Um, and so another reason this may have been happening for these short tail keywords is that these types of keywords tend to have knowledge panels already on the right-hand side of the search results. And knowledge panels are kind of those boxes on the right-hand side. It kind of looks like a sidebar and it tells you more information about whatever it was that you Googled. And those knowledge panels usually already include the definition of whatever it is you were searching for. So a featured snippet in that context is probably just repetitive and not really adding value and really just like cluttering up the results. So that could be another reason why they've cut back on some of these featured snippets. So just, you know, keep an eye out. <laughs> it's somewhat unlikely that us regular level bloggers had a featured snippet for a single word keyword, but um, you can always check your metrics and see if your featured snippets uh, were impacted at all by this change. The next update is a change in how Google Search Console reports impressions and clicks for web stories. Previously, if someone clicked on your web story from Google Discover and then went on to watch more of your stories, only that first story registered as an impression and a click. But as of February 16th, this has all been updated, so you might see more impressions and clicks for your web stories within the Google Discover section in Google Search Console. So now any story that gets an impression or a click will be counted, even if it wasn't the original story that you were discovered through. And if this sounds like another language, let's take a step back. So first, what is Google Discover? So Google Discover is the feed of personalized content that appears when you open the Google app on your iPhone or below the search bar when you Google something on your Android device. And Google Stories or Google Web Stories are a new form of content that can show up in that Google Discover section. And they're short stories, kind of like what you'd see on Instagram, uh, that you can create and publish on your own website using a plugin called Google Web Stories, which is free, put out by Google. And the pros of experimenting with Google Web Stories, well, the biggest one is that it has the potential to drive a lot of traffic to your website, sort of free chance at promotion within Google Discover. So your story could potentially be seen by tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, the cons are that this type of content doesn't have the same staying power as traditional SEO. So web stories can get a lot of reach via Google Discover, but they're typically only shown prominently for maybe a day or two, and then they fall off and they don't really bring long-term traffic. So you have to keep churning them out. So what a lot of people will do is They'll make a story after they publish a piece of content and hope that it gets picked up by Google Discover and they just sort of work that into their workflow, just like they would sort of repurpose content for Pinterest or Instagram or whatever. Uh, another con is that the traffic that you get to your web stories isn't as easy to monetize as your regular blog traffic. Even though the web stories live on your blog, they're not the same thing as a regular blog post. You can't, it's not like a long form piece of content where you can like scroll through and insert ads and things like that. It's like stories, like on Instagram stories. So you just have, you know, little slides with just a little bit of text on each slide and not a lot of opportunity for monetization. So Mediavine, the ad network, is experimenting with doing some ads through Google Stories, but Google itself has imposed some limitations. 
So you can only have like one ad per seven slides. And because this is so new and not a lot of people are doing them and especially not advertising in them, uh, it gets a really low fill rate through your ad network. Uh, so you're not really going to make nearly as much money as you would focusing your attention on getting regular blog traffic. So this may change in the future, obviously, but right now it's just a way to get a lot of people to your site, but then it's sort of your job to get them to click through to your other content after they've arrived at your web stories. So this has been something that's taken off in the food blogging space, and food bloggers have been creating sort of teaser web stories where they put the picture of their recipe, the ingredients, and maybe like a summary of the steps on how to make it. And then the last slide says, click to see full recipe. And then a certain percentage of people who watched your story will then click that, that link to go to the actual blog post. And that's where you have all of your traditional monetization strategies uh, like traditional ads. And that works great. Like people have literally got thousands of extra visitors to their actual blog posts in a day after going viral sort of on Google Discover with their web stories. So if you get lucky, you know, it could really pay off. Um, the problem is it's not really sustainable traffic. They're just little pops. It's kind of like going mini viral um, and you don't have any control over whether that will happen for you. But if you've got extra time in your schedule and you want to play around with it, it could be something fun to try. And I've seen people in my SEO course play around with it and you know, at least one person has said they've seen good results and they've gotten a pretty good traffic boost from it. And then a handful of people where they got like five visitors or whatever. So, you know, results may vary <laughs> widely. Uh, so, you know, don't put all your eggs in this basket. But again, if you have extra time, it could be fun to play around with. Um, just something to watch out for. You want to make sure that the web story itself provides standalone value. So what you don't want to do is make it like a teaser promo video where you put like the name of the recipe and some pictures and then nothing else. And you're like, hey, come check it out on my blog. Like Google announced explicitly that that's not what they want the point of stories to be. And if you are creating that type of content, uh, you could risk getting a manual action penalty against your website. So best practice is maybe 10 to 20 slides and it needs to provide standalone value by itself and follow a natural sort of story progression with a beginning and an end. And Mediavine, the ad network that many bloggers use, recommends actually setting up a separate Google Analytics property to track your web stories so that you're not messing up your stats on how much money you're earning via your ad network per 1,000 page views. So I can link to an article that they've shared on how to do that uh, in the show notes for this episode. So if you go to theunconventionalrd.com and head to the podcast section, just find this episode in the feed there and click on it and you'll see the show notes where I include helpful links uh, related to stuff that we talked about today. Uh, and my final Google update related piece of information is that Google rolled out passage-based ranking in the United States between February 8th and 17th. And if I've talked about this before as well as something that was coming up, and this was basically a new ability for Google to comb through long form, poorly organized content to try to find the information its users are looking for, and then rank that piece of information appropriately, even if it doesn't necessarily match the main topic that that page is about. So for example, if I had a whole page on something related to diet and type two diabetes, and then I had, oh yeah, this one small subsection on like 
oh, but it's different for type 1 diabetes because blah, 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 blah. There, with this new passage-based ranking, it's a possibility that that little passage about type 1 diabetes could rank for type 1 diabetes-related keywords, even though it's sort of hidden away within a whole piece of content about type 2 diabetes. And so far, the impact has been pretty minimal. No real noticeable changes in ranking for most people. There wasn't a lot of chatter in the SEO forums about any of this. Um, Google did say that this was only supposed to impact about 7% of queries to start. Uh, so that's probably why. So if you're already following SEO best practices, using headings in your post to organize your content and keeping your articles focused around a certain keyword and topic and search intent, this probably isn't going to have any impact on your stuff because you're already sort of creating well-organized, easy-to-find content. And my guess is that that 7% of queries that were impacted is probably like really long tail keywords. This is just completely my guess. I have no data to back this up, but logically it would make sense that, because Google sort of described this update as a way to find uh, needle in the haystack information that they were having trouble surfacing. <laughs> like, for, So I'm assuming that means it's a way to help them find really specific information related to long tail keywords where people type in a really specific question and like almost no one's blogged about it but maybe somebody somewhere has like a, a sentence or a paragraph within other content related to the query maybe it's that type of search content that's impacted um, by this new ranking update um, but for those you know the search volume is probably pretty low probably no one's really targeting those keywords <laughs> because if they were then Google would already have an easy time finding this, the answer to those questions. So that could be why um, this didn't really seem to make much of an impact, even though it's officially been rolled out. Google said it was generally out on the 15th, but all the like rank tracker tools uh, showed the fluctuations kind of ending on the 17th. So that's why I said between February 8th and 17th. Another thing that sort of took off recently was the rise of social audio in 2021. And you're probably like, huh, social audio? And let me just say one word, Clubhouse. <laughs> and if you are on social media in any capacity, you've probably heard people talking about Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an audio-only social media platform, and it's kind of like the latest trend. And shockingly, it already has over 10 million users. It's valued at $100 million. And it's, they've had people like Mark Zuckerberg, Elon, Elon Musk, and Oprah Winfrey on as speakers on the platform. And it's sort of an exclusive new social media platform. Right now, it's only available on Apple devices. And you can only get in if you have a personal invite from somebody who's already using it. So you have to know someone on the platform and get invited to join. And each person only has a certain number of invites to, get, to give out. So... Taking a cue, do you remember when Gmail was like that? I was in high school when Gmail came out and uh, it was like, oh, do you have a Gmail account? Can you invite me? Um, so it's kind of like that. Kind of builds up that anticipation and exclusivity to get people to want to get invited to go check it out. So once you're in the app, you can create and join rooms where discussions are happening on various topics. And again, this is all audio only. So it doesn't matter. You could, you know, in your pajamas, in your room with the lights off, and still participate. Uh, so it's it's different from podcasting, though, because podcasting is pre-recorded one-way communication. 
it's almost like the audio form of a blog post. Like it's just me having a conversation with myself or a guest, but it's all kind of like pre-planned out. I can edit it. I can do whatever I want. It's definitely not live and it's not interactive with the audience. In contrast, Clubhouse is more like a chat room, an audio chat room where you can be the host and anyone who joins the room can raise their hand and try to participate in the discussion. So you as the host are sort of the moderator and you get to open up people's mics to say something and sort of facilitate discussions. Um, full disclosure, I have not joined Clubhouse, even though I do have an iPhone and I'm sure I could have gotten an invite if I wanted, but um, I didn't join because to be quite honest, a live audio only chat room with lots and lots of people in it like kind of sounds like my worst nightmare. Like, of course I'm saying that without ever having tried it, but just like right off the bat, it sounds really overwhelming and really overstimulating for me. Um, I much prefer written communication and planned speaking engagements where I know what I'm gonna talk about. Like I am seriously not an impromptu speaker. Like even for these solo episodes, I've basically like written out everything I wanna touch on before I get on the mic. <laughs> and if I mess up or lose my voice or whatever, or burp, because I'm pregnant and I can't stop burping, uh, I can go in and edit it and it's no big deal. Uh, and Clubhouse is like the opposite where it's like, hey, we're live and everything's happening and you know, there are, there's no pause button, there's no edit button um, and you get direct feedback from people. And obviously if you're the host, um, then you have to facilitate discussions and be more of a moderator, which I think is a learned skill that I don't have. So um, anyway, just, wanted to raise your attention about Clubhouse. Uh, if you've you know done anything with it, I'd love to hear about your experiences and how you've maybe leveraged it in your business. Um, yeah, I'm about to book my next round of podcast interviews. So if you are on Clubhouse and you love it and you've had a lot of success with it, uh, maybe shoot me an email or a DM uh, with your story and maybe I can interview you on this podcast. It'd be kind of fun and timely and I literally don't know really anything about Clubhouse beyond what I just told you. So I'd love to hear someone else's perspective who's had a lot of success with it. Uh, and then just a clue that it might be making waves in the industry. Twitter has recently come out with something similar called Twitter Spaces, which is like an audio only Twitter area. And then Facebook is supposedly developing a similar ability as well. So we'll see what happens with this whole social audio craze throughout the rest of 2021. I've also got another update for you about podcast monetization. Spotify is now experimenting with more ways to monetize podcasts, which is great because, hello, I'm a podcaster and I make negative dollars on this podcast. So uh, yeah, I pay for the hosting, I pay for transcription services, and I'm not making that money back directly through the podcast. So I would love to see podcasts become more easily monetizable uh, for myself and for other podcast hosts who put a lot of time and effort into their show. Uh, I think that that needs to happen. Um, so Spotify is planning to test a few things. They're testing paid podcast subscriptions, uh, which personally, I think people have tried that before and I just don't really, don't really see it taking off because podcast started as, as a free thing. So if you try to pay wallet, I don't know how, how well that will go. I think people would just maybe move on and find another podcast to listen to instead. Uh, and they're also experimenting with using their own ad network 
to place ads within their Spot- Spotify original podcast, Megaphone podcast, which is a podcasting platform they acquired in late 2020, and also through Anchor. And they plan to expand to third-party podcasts in the future. And this is actually super interesting to me because this could be a way for podcasters to make money, much like bloggers do, via ad revenue per listen or download. So the only thing that makes it less comparable is that organic reach for podcasts is much harder to obtain. There's not really like an effective podcast search engine available right now where you can discover content uh, or, you know, for the content creator to optimize their podcast episodes through keywords or something like that. So your listeners are sort of limited right now to whoever you reach through your own marketing, uh, your own channels. So for example, most of my podcast listens come from people who are in my Facebook group because I have over 10,000 people in that group right now or on my email list, which is at 5,000 people right now because whenever I publish an episode, I share the link in my Facebook group and pin it to the top of the group so people can find it throughout the week. And then I also send it out to my email list, although I've been lagging on that recently. Um, But even with that, I only get about 5,000 downloads per month. So compare that to blogging, where it's not uncommon to get hundreds of thousands of people to your site every month through channels like Google Search or Pinterest, and you can see that the monetization opportunities are much lower, except for the people who already have super large, established, successful podcasts. So I think for podcast monetization to be able to compete, there needs to be a better way for people to search for questions and topics they're interested in and pull up individual episodes from podcasts that best answer their query, kind of like how regular search engines work for like with Google right now. So I think the podcast industry is going to evolve a lot over the next five years. So I will be watching and reporting from the front lines. Uh, But yeah, it's sort of super in its infancy right now, especially with monetization. But Spotify seems to be leading the way. So I will continue to watch what they're doing and keep you guys in the loop. Another thing to be aware of if you are a dietitian freelancer, LinkedIn is developing its own platform for hiring freelancers called LinkedIn Marketplaces, and they're planning on launching in the fall, maybe as early as September. And it's meant to be a direct competitor to Fiverr and Upwork. And this could be relevant for dietitians who do freelance writing, editing, photography, etc. And it could also be a good place for us to find reputable designers, web developers, etc if we're looking for some freelance work ourselves. So this is not out yet. This is just in talks that it's currently being developed, but I did think it was relevant for some dietitians, so I thought I'd mention it to keep your eye out for that in the future. And then the last thing is kind of a fun affiliate marketing related update. If you are an Amazon associate, so if you're part of the Amazon Associates program, which is Amazon's affiliate program, Amazon has now released something called the Mobile Get Link capability for iOS devices in the United States. So basically you just open up the Amazon app, like you're going to shop on it and you go, you have to be logged in obviously to the same username that your Amazon associate account is linked to. And then you just find whatever product you wanted to share a link to. And here, I'll pull it up on my phone right now. It on the product listing page, you should see a little share icon on the upper right corner of whatever the product photo is. So it looks like the little square with the arrow pointing up out of it. And if you click on that, um, it's going to let you select which Amazon Associates account you wanna share the link to. So if you have more than one affiliate account, you can select the right one. Um, And then it says copy Associates link. And you can click that 
and then it'll copy the link to your your clipboard on your phone and then you can go onto whatever social media platform you want and paste that link in a social media comment or however you want to share the link on social so that's kind of cool i thought that was a fun little update that they're rolling out so if you're an amazon associate uh, participant definitely check that out and that's it for today's news update so to recap i talked to you about some core web vital changes so making it slightly easier to qualify for that green light on the core web vitals metrics by making it less than or equal to all those values that they've laid out talked about how google pagespeed insights tool is now using a faster http2 connection so your your uh, metrics may improve just from that gutenberg 10.1 which should be rolling out perhaps in a future version of WordPress, also is making some changes to help your site load faster without you having to do anything, which is great. P.S. I think that's a trend. So try not to get too crazy about uh, your Core Web Vital stuff because I think a lot of the content management systems and plugins and stuff that we use are also working on their own solutions to help us get better Core Web Vitals before May. And it's still pretty early. We have a few months to go. So Um, I anticipate a lot of stuff coming out at the last minute, so I'll probably give you an update in a month or two and let you know what's going on. Uh, I let you know that Google Short Videos now includes Facebook videos, so all the more reason to do video on social media. Uh, We talked about Google showing fewer featured snippets since February 19th, but that the fact that it's mostly impacting short tail keywords, so just like single word queries that probably none of us are ranking for anyway. I let you know more about Google Web Stories and how Google Search Console is more accurately representing how many impressions and clicks you got from Google Discover. Uh, We briefly talked about the Google passage-based ranking update that rolled out in mid-February and how that hasn't really seemed to have much of an impact on the search results so far. Talked a little bit about Clubhouse and the rise of social audio this year. Talked about Spotify really charging ahead and experimenting with more ways to monetize podcasts. Told you to keep your eye out for LinkedIn's marketplace that's coming out for hiring freelancers, hopefully sometime in the fall. And we ended by talking about Amazon's mobile get link option to pull up Amazon affiliate links on your mobile Amazon app if you use an iPhone and easily share those links on social media. So That's it for today. Uh, Next week, I have a really fun interview talking all about how to get your name out in the media and become a go-to resource for journalists. So that'll be a fun interview. Definitely check that out. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. 